Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Kokoro Movement Podcast. On this episode, we have Dr. Sebastian Gonzalez. He is a chiropractor based out of Huntington Beach, California, and the host of the Restoring Human Movement Podcast. I had a great conversation with this guy. We had a lot of fun. So without further ado, Dr. Sebastian Gonzalez. This is how I know that you're a professional and I'm just getting started because I have this <laughs> microphone and you have that microphone. <laughs> oh, well, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard people do some when they have this little headset, right? And they have this little mic that comes down and they're just kind of moving around and shit. And I'm like, you got that shit right. And I know your shit costs less than mine and it's yeah. really damn good. Yeah. That's <laughs> awesome, man. What's up, brother? How are you? I'm good. Yeah. New. Just, uh. Hanging out on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm waiting to go eat some steak for the uh, Super Bowl. Right on. Yeah, I'm not even really paying attention to the Super Bowl, to be honest with you. I'm not either. I'm just paying attention to the steak. <laughs> I actually have I actually have this knife. Someone gave me this knife, right? Yeah. This is, this is my personal knife to cut steak with. Nice. Yeah, so I'm going to bring it. It's going to be the first time usage. I like it. <laughs> How long did yeah. you get that? Oh, I got it for Christmas. I just haven't had it available to me when I thought about having steak. It's a new habit. Nice. <laughs> I like it. That's awesome. So I'm not going to pay attention to the Super Bowl. I'm going to pay attention to steak. Yeah. Why not? That's, yeah, that's legitimate. <laughs> like every time I go to a Super Bowl party, it's to hang out with friends and eat too much food. I'm never there to like watch the football game. Really. I really don't think anyone really watches it. They just like, it's just there. It's a reason to gather. And then like, so actually, so my friend started, he put like, so he's got the TV bigger than, than us, right? Yeah. And then, so he's got other sections of his house that is kind of away. And then he's like, so, so he's had these old parties where you kind of get away from the TV and you start talking and like, it's an area that's kind of a pocket. You don't have to deal with the game. So he started putting TVs up in those areas. I'm like, don't do that. Like, <laughs> like this is an opportunity that when you don't want to be in the conversation, you're like, Hey, I got to go check the TV over there. Uh, right. <laughs> I gotta go. There's something important. Ha- There's a commercials. I can't talk to you right now. Right, right. Commercials. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. you always get that one person, right? Where you're like, oh man, I don't know if I can really carry on this conversation that well. So <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go find something else. Today. Well, I don't know. I don't know if you've gotten them too. Like, we, uh, there's been a couple times where like they figure out that you're, that you work with people's injuries, right? Yeah. And so you tell, start telling you all about theirs. And all the things that they that work for them, but really it sounds like they don't work. Right. <laughs> so, and it's like, oh, it sounds interesting. It sounds like that really works for you. Yeah. So after my first, uh, after my neurokinetic therapy level one, so I was kind of been following the the um, uh, shit. I just lost it. So I've been following muscle testing for a while, and mm-hmm. really was starting to understand all the relationships between 
all the different muscles that, and, and what causes the dysfunction. So I had a pretty good idea of what I was in for going into that course, but then they really kind of dialed in the muscle testing where they're learning everything from the neck all the way down to the feet and how to test everything. So my brain's like super overwhelmed with information and I go back to where I'm staying and there's this party and I tell them what I did for the day and they're like, cool, what happened to my shoulder? <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, what do you mean? I don't follow you around with binoculars being like, hey, that's what happened to your shoulder. Like, I don't, it could be anything. Like, you use your shoulder all day for all kinds of stuff. I don't know. Like, I'm I know. eat some pie. I don't know. I, yeah, just, just, I know what will get this pie to go away. Me eating it. That's the only option <laughs> right now in life. <laughs> right. And I have Funny. no interest. Like, the look on my face shows you that I have no interest in working on your shoulder right now. I'm done. Like, sorry. Yeah. I think it's a time and place. Like, uh, I know that my, so my dad's a dentist. He used to tell us all the time, like, like when we finally got older, we'd recognize he's doing this. He was like, uh, people would say, Hey, I think I got this cavity. Right. And they'd point at it like at a house party. And he's like, the lighting's not good here. Book an appointment. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, what are you, what are you going to do? Like stick a fork in their mouth and <laughs> probe around. It's just not Dude. the right setting. Do the, do the Tom Hanks thing with an ice skate and a rock and just bang it right out of there. <laughs> and now it's no longer a problem. <laughs> Oh, I was thinking chew the foil thing. So chew the foil <laughs> thing. Ugh. Yeah, um, just light them up. Yep, sounds like a cavity. Sounds like a cavity. <laughs> just like a cruel joke, you do know. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I didn't ask. I see you're recording. Is are we doing yours today, or are we doing? Uh, do you want to do mine? We can, we can whichever one you want, man. It doesn't matter to me. I haven't rec- I haven't hit record yet. <laughs> but so, but if you if you plan on going on yours, we can keep all this if you want. I don't really don't care. Yeah, I don't care either. It's pretty good. I mean, I feel like that's all critical information that people need to know about you, right? Like you about have your, dentistry. <laughs> yeah, you have your special knife that you use to cut steak, and this is like your first day that you get to do that. That's a pretty pivotal moment. It's, it's important. It's the only. It's the only. Thing, you're the only person I've ever told. <laughs> um, See, well, why did? Why then? Why don't we? Why don't we go on yours today, and then I'll I'll have you on a on on mine uh, a different time. Sounds good. And, uh, and I'll probe a little bit better of a topic where that uh, I think I might want to ask you about. Sound good? Yeah, sounds good. So, and you know, I have it set up to where I just start recording right away because I've oh, had you? so many recording snafus mm. like over the last like couple months. So this is the using Zoom is new for me because I was using um, an app called Tape a Call where I would just call people on the phone and then the app would record it. Mm-hmm. And then I did. I did three interviews that just were lost in the ether and they were just super fucking awesome conversations and now they're just gone forever. You know, yeah. and it's just really hard to kind of get those people back because everybody's busy doing their own thing. And so now I just record all the stuff and edit out what I don't want. You That's a good I idea. I, I think Zoom is really good at keeping the audio. I've, I've only had really one screw up, but I start, I use this. Yeah. Um, this is my main recorder. Uh, but I, 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 sometimes I double up on Zoom, but I, I, I've been, I've been good. Lately, yeah. So. so the last one that I did with uh, Mike Stella, uh, the audio didn't record all the way. Oh no! But I was able to, I was able to extract the audio out of the video, which was good. incredibly helpful because I was about to be like super pissed, being like, well, I don't know how to fucking do podcasts anymore. I guess <laughs> you know because like I've just been kind of winging it since day one. I don't know how to, you know. I just I have. Uh, I use GarageBand to edit mine. I do too. And, 
and then I have uh, you know my intro music and my outro music, and then I record an intro for each guest, and then I just copy and paste, and then ready to rock and roll. It's pretty easy, you know. But like, I'm good. Yeah, we do the we do similar. Then it's uh, I really attempt to not edit anything out unless yeah. someone's offended somebody or they really press for it because it's it's like real human interaction. I think they people want that versus like all the highlights of your life or like of the topics, you know? Right. And I'm the same way. And, uh, Mike still is the only one where I had to edit it because there was, uh, connection issues on his end. Oh, yeah. So it, he would like leave and then come back and then, you know, all this different stuff. So I had to kind of splice that all together, but it was a really good conversation regardless. And nice. I think that, you know, this is indicative of the first time we met, which was like last weekend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we meet up in an airport and then become best friends immediately and then just walk around <laughs> the airport together for two hours. You know what I mean? It felt like four. <laughs> I, I know we must have walked 10 miles. Yeah, for sure. That was, uh, uh, so it's funny. I've been basing a lot of my life off of this aura ring that my wife bought me. And basically what it's telling me is that I'm very inactive and I sleep like shit. And so that was one of the days where I was like, yeah, I met my calorie goals. I'm awesome. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, you, and you're going to attribute all the good feelings you had to, to just, just meeting me versus the, the walking. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's absolutely correct. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that's a good way to meet each other, right? Like that shows you like who the person is and that's how we have good conversations is by walking more so than sitting, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you don't, you don't get like that awkward moment. You're like, should I look him in the eye at the left eye or the right eye? Oh, wait, they're, they're darting back and forth. Should I do that too? <laughs> yeah. Well, even just now, I just, just brought to my awareness that I'm thinking about different things. I just got done uh, working out. So um, I try to do as much cardio as I feel like doing, which isn't much. But today I rode a 5K and then, you know, did my uh, upper body workout. Now I'm just totaled. And I'm trying to think about where I'm going and what I'm doing and what I want to talk about and responding to your stuff and my arms are darting all over the place. And I could see how you're just sitting there being like, what is this guy doing? You know, oh, first, well, the first time. <laughs> well, I can always, I can always guide your, uh, since we've done both done enough interviews, I'm sure we know how these things go. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would you like to talk about today? So, <laughs> <Interesting. laughs> so actually I don't really know a whole lot about you. I mean, we just, you know, like since you are friends with Ben, then that means that you're friends with me and because we all have similar personalities, I'm assuming. So we just like met up and immediately started talking shit about stuff. You know what right. I mean? So <laughs> I don't know anything about you, man. So like, I don't know how you got into this profession or, or what. So what interests me the most, I think, and uh, the reason why I get a lot of these, um, a lot of similar people on here is because they all have different and unique ways of making people better. And so, um, a prim, uh, primarily through movement, right? So like the, a lot of the chiropractors that I, uh, converse with on a regular basis aren't just the, the crack and go type of chiropractors. So they're, you know, they want to make people better and they make people better through movement. So I just want to kind of see what your, uh, origin story is like why you got into that. And then, um, what your philosophy philosophy is behind your practice. Okay. It's a big question. Um, well, I think, I think when we both walked around the airport, we kind of you know, knew that the movement was kind of where we both went with uh, therapeutic stuff, you know, how, th how therapeutic movement is. So it actually took me a while to get that way. Um, I, 
I started to hurt myself in high school playing baseball and I had a, it was probably a minor disc injury. Uh, there was an MRI at the time, but for the most part, I had about eight months of unresponsive, uh, four months of unresponsive PT as well as chiropractic and blah, blah, blah. Um, I was pre-op, uh, they were going to do an exploratory and probably a microdisectomy. And then I went and found a guy who did uh, a bunch of tissue work that was actual release as well as we did strength training. And it was like, boom, off the race, just go play baseball again, no problem. So um, my practice first started with mainly like active release and tissue work. And it was just like, man, this stuff is great, you know? And it just started to kind of realize people just started to come back a little bit and um, they felt better, but then they, they would return. Uh, and it wasn't really like a change of, of habits of what was generating the problem. So as I kind of fall back on my experience with that, and, and I wrote a whole book on this as I started to learn more, was that uh, I kind of neglected the idea that I did a shit ton of strength training during that time, you know? Yeah. And it, it was like an exposure to a bunch of different movements. Um, and it was enough to, I think, tolerate the effects of a rotational swing, you know, a baseball swing. So that was my main goal to get back to that. But so now I, I, I kind of... It's it's funny now with people like the, I get people that come in, they're like, that have been coming for like a while on and off and they're like, Hey, can you do that tissue work again? I'm like, well, let's try something different this time. Let's try something a little different and see what works, you know? And they're not always responsive of that. But I think when you break them on that habit, like, holy shit, chin tucks got rid of my mid back pain. Yeah, I guess so. You know, like it, it's empowering. So I think we talked about going around the airport when we're talking about it. Uh, it's, I think it's, it's simpler than we think, you know? Um, we're also talking about defecation, I think, weren't we? Yeah, that's came up. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's just kind of my history with it. First, I went through tissue work. Then I started learning the other things I didn't know. And then now I'm, I, I realize the things that I'm really lacking at, um, especially after that weekend, I went to Snell's course that I met you. And I realized that, yep, got to learn a little bit more. So just always polishing the, uh, the uh, iron, you know? Yeah, so that's uh, was that the first uh, snow course that you've taken? No, I've taken it before. And the have you taken you taken his yet? No, I haven't. So I he the first time I met him is when he hosted uh, the DNS Exercise Three in Portland. Mm, okay. Um, yeah. So the first time I the second time I taken his course that specific one. This one was. Um, well, I won't go into the specifics of what the course was, but actually this time I learned, I mean, I learned some from the second go around with the course, but it was, it was much less than the first time. I actually learned more outside. So an example would be like, so there was this, uh, there was this, this kid staying with us, a uh, kid, no, I say kid cause he's like 28. He's a new fresh Cairo. And uh, he had a friend come and the friend was a strength conditioning coach from San Diego. And so the guy had been seeing uh, somebody else like up and around our area, he'd drive up, he'd pay a couple hundred dollars a month for, for, uh, for strength and he couldn't get strength conditioning corrections for like a shoulder issue. And he just was kind of, um, kind of plateauing. And so we we're just kind of bullshitting around and we're like, you know, like we know it'd really be cool. We can shoot it. So I was shooting videos for that thing this weekend. That's why I had a tripod. And, uh, so I was like, so Jeff Barron was, was the one where the clinic was there. And I'm like, Jeff, why don't we just highlight this case, maybe do a video for you and your clinic. And here's a case with the shoulder guy. Let's just see if you can change his range of motion like within a couple minutes and then just see what happens, you know? And so this guy had been working on this thing for like a year, you know, he had he'd been topped off about like right here and he's like, I just can't get past that point, right? And so Jeff just does some um, McKinsey extension in the neck, a little bit of open of the, uh, of the uh, IVFs in theory. And then he does neurodynamic slide for that side and all of a sudden kid's shoulder goes up and he's like, holy shit, what was that? You know? 
Yeah. And, and I'm like, I knew where he was going with it, but at the same time I thought Jeff and Ben recognized it quicker than I did and I need to be better. So I learned a lot more outside the seminar this time than I did in. Um, we talked a little bit more about uh, vertical spine loading as well, um, in contrast to using a long moment arm, more, more of the Boyle concept. Uh, and I think uh, there was an experience about uh, uh, interviewing, motivational interviewing, and I think I got a good takeaway from there. But uh, have, you, have you played with neurodynamics yet at all? I have a little bit. Uh, I haven't taken any courses on it, but I read the uh, sensitive nervous system and I apply it. Um, I apply it not as often as I should because I don't have as much confidence in that. And so mm -hmm. that's a, definitely a direction that I need to go in the future is going to like a Shacklock course or, um, you know, somebody similar to that. Um, yeah. But the first time I was introduced to that was, uh, uh, Michael Ban actually, he was the coach for my wife. Oh, the bandwagon. The bandwagon. Yeah. So you would have, you would have had a good time this weekend if you <laughs> stayed there. We had a good time with him. Yeah. Uh, this weekend was, uh, that weekend was actually really pivotal for me in my career with the course that I went to. And so just because I'm really into the, the neurological muscle testing and this guy was uh, one of the mentors that I'm, that I was looking for, but didn't really know it until I met him. So um, that was really, God damn it. That was a good course too. And it was like, uh, I was staying at um, Andy Shea's house. I don't know if you know him. He's the owner of movement reborn. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I've been to Andy's place. It's a nice place, isn't it? It is a nice place. It's, yeah, he got a lot out of that little space, I think. I think yeah, I want to sleep there. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but anyway, um, so the instructor, his name is Joseph Schwartz, and he um, was staying at the house also. And so just having conversations with him, like during dinner and before and after the course, I think was more influential to me than the course was. And so that's that tends to be – kind of a common theme, right? Is like, mm -hmm. uh, and I noticed that especially at uh, that DNS exercise three that I was talking about, because everybody's gone through exercise one and two, and then they figured out how to apply it specifically to their practice. And then in between, you know, the, the lunch breaks and before and after, that's when they're talking about how they apply this stuff. Right. You know, because once you get there, then you pretty much have a, a, a pretty good understanding of the DNS principles and protocols and stuff like that. And so it's really fun to see people kind of playing jazz with it and figuring out different ways to apply it. Um, yeah, it's just really interesting, but I definitely want to take a course from Dr. Snell because he was one of my first uh, podcast interviews and I love that guy. Yeah. He does a good job with his where, um, like you said, and, and you get into like a DNS or like, like your NKT and ART and you, you get all these ones where it's just like the narrow track of like, here's what we do with these pod or with these protocols, you know, and then everyone off the side, they're like, you know what, this one doesn't work. That one works. This one works really well. I'm not sure about this one, you know? And, um, so, uh, Philip takes a good, uh, approach of taking some of the McGill stuff, McKenzie's DNS strength conditioning, uh, and then kind of beyond and, and just kind of plugging in where, but they're, I don't want to call them like bastardized versions of it because he's mastered them well for that. It's, it's mainly surrounding like one type of uh, case, which is acute more of acute subacute. Um, well, I guess chronic too, but flexion intolerant back pain. Yeah. And, um, but when you extrapolate kind of how you can use it a little bit more, so it's like 
people who have um, uh, I, quote unquote IT band syndrome or medial knee pain or plantar fasciitis and tight hamstrings. I mean, this, all this shit is, uh, it could be a driver from the spine and, and it responds really well. So as long as there was no major tear or something, you know, yeah. but yeah, his course would be great if uh, I, I'm not sure when I'll come back there again. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, so that's one thing that I learned is um, don't like, I shouldn't wait for the things that I want to take. I should just go to where they're at. And so um, mainly because I'm addicted to the education uh, solely because of the, the, the people that go to those courses, you know, that's how you meet the like-minded people. That's how you build your little community of people that you can rely on for like information or uh, encouragement. Like I use Ben a lot. He's really good at, you know, helping me kind of narrow the focus of, of what I'm trying to accomplish and where I'm trying to go with it when I start to kind of get overwhelmed by like the possibilities of what I could do. Um, so he's really important for me just to kind of kick my ass back to reality of what I need to do. He's uh, like, no, 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 no. Ignore those courses. And take these two. <laughs> yeah. And so, no, bro. No, bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he doesn't really care what courses I take, but I'm like, I'm going to move here. He's like, you don't need to do that. I'm like, okay. I yeah, you know, we were we were talking about you after that, and I was like, I'm like, I don't I'm like, I don't know what Flagstaff like, but I get, I get a, I get kind of a, an idea in my head based upon, um, well, because my friend lives there, and it sounds like it's just kind of the woods. I'm like, you know, what I do, I build. If I was Jesse, I build a damn shed in the back, <laughs> and, yeah. and I would just have people treat people out of the shed, put a couple kettlebells outside, put some like logs, roll them around. That's what I would yeah. do. Yeah. So I think that, I mean, that's definitely doable, but it's not. So what I feel like I need is more people like me that are easily accessible. And so that's just not happening here, you know? So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, uh, yeah, that's, I think that's the part that I feel like I'm lacking right now. And then also it's a really expensive place to live and there's not a whole lot of money for people to live on here. And yeah. So that's another thing too. So that's, uh, that's difficult as well. But, um, you know, I can make it work for a short amount of time. I got, um, I'm really trying to figure out how to, um, integrate myself into Andy's practice. Cause he, like, he really wants me there and I really want to be there too. So mm -hmm. eventually I think, uh, within the next couple of years, that's going to be a definite possibility of, uh, me moving the family out there. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the club. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> and so, um, but as far as, you know, the courses, I think it's just really important for me to gather the information that I feel like I need to optimally help people the best way that I can. And so the more tools that I have in my toolbox to apply to different people, because everybody's different and mm -hmm. not everything works for different, for single people compared to, you know, this guy's not going to be the same back pain as that guy. And so mm -hmm. the more, knowledge I feel like I have, then the easier it is for me to apply it to different, different mm -hmm. people. And so, um, that's another reason why I just educated my ass off. So I just had as much information as I felt like I needed. And mm -hmm. so now I feel like I have capped out on that. And so now I really need to focus on integrating everything that I know into the practice that I'm trying to create. Yeah. You know, the hard part too, at least that I found is that, so when you learn all that stuff and then you kind of learn it from a technical aspect and then you apply it to the patients, you know how that works, but then communicating it down to a patient level is 
is challenging too. Yeah. And then when you get it down to their level, not in a demeaning way, but you know, just communication way, it's uh, you lose uh, specifics of the translation. So it's kind of like what <laughs> you get down to like, well, you slipped a disc, you know, like it's, it's like general terms that all of a sudden it doesn't really give the, uh, it doesn't really give the the value to actually what is going on, you know? So um, I know I've struggled a lot with that, with thinking like, what am I willing to let go um, from an explanation standpoint to get them to do what they need to do to feel better? Um, and he, I interviewed a guy, it was uh, um, uh, Squat, Squat University on Instagram, uh, yeah, yeah. Aaron, Hors- Aaron Horshig. Mm-hmm. He did a really good job of that. And uh, he, he'd mentioned that like, so he spent some time doing some uh, publishing research and he's, he said it was long and tedious. And, and he said that, why am I spending so long to publish something for people who, uh, are, it's, it's not going to get to the masses. It's going to take forever. So um, he was kind of, it was, it was kind of enlightening to see that he had been okay with, with being the guy to digest the information for people and not make it super complicated. But also too, you have to kind of check your ego and, just realize that you're going to say things really simply. It's not going to be complicated, mind-blowing shit to everybody, you know, or at least not to other clinicians. Right. So that's where I think the benefit of me being a boxing coach for so long was incredibly helpful in my actual practice because like trying to teach 30 different people how to throw a jab is, it (laughs) took me forever just to be like, dude, just (laughs) bring your fist to your face and then, straighten your arm and bring it back as fast as you can. People are like, I don't understand. <laughs> You're like, oh my God. And so trying to figure out different ways to explain that one thing was incredibly helpful. And then, you know, that translated into CrossFit, which then translates into, you know, my practice. Because essentially you're coaching people into getting better. And you're coaching right. them into taking care of themselves. And you're coaching them into not becoming the symptom. So like if you say – like, hey, you have a slipped disc. Then they're like, oh, fuck, I got a bad back. I know. And, I, and now you're like, but you don't have this <laughs> thing. You know what I mean? It's not bad. It's You have a good back. You just have this one little thing that we need to work on and get better. That's it. And once it gets yeah. better, it's better. You know. uh- I interviewed Win, uh, Brett Winchester one time, and so he was always talking about how cautious he needed to be with explaining rotator cuff uh, or shoulder MRIs to, to baseball players. And he's like, if you come in with a certain demeanor with it, he's like, they're going to really take it to heart. Um, but if you bring it in like, well, you got a little of this, a little of that. And by the way, my rotator cuff is way worse than yours. I'd trade, I'd trade for yours any day, you know, all yeah. of a sudden, like it kind of chills it down. Um, but you're right. I think they can very much get hung up on the idea that they're something's broken and that something needs to be fixed or that they'll never be the same, you know? Yeah. So how do, how do you explain that to people then? That's a good question. And so I think fortunately from, you know, my years of BMX and my years of uh, riding dirt bikes and my years of MMA and my years of jiu-jitsu and my years of CrossFit, I have like just about every injury you could possibly imagine. Uh-huh. And so then, so telling them that I have been where they're at and I'm not there now, I think is really important. So like uh, uh, people respond really well to stories. So so specifically your story. Mm -hmm. So that's a something that I bring across to them. If you're this way now, if you work really hard, then you won't be that way later. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, 
um, and then just showing them that I have rehab myself and made myself better is helpful for them too. So like I blew out my backpack in 2013 and I'm walking fine and we're doing fine and everything I can, I, you know, maxed out my deadlift last year and probably to the point where I feel like I don't need to train my deadlift anymore. I just need to maintain that strength. But like mm-hmm. I, you know, lifted a pretty heavy load and I was like, well, that was cool. And so <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's all I need. Right. I don't need to put in six months of training to add 25 pounds to that because that's ridiculous. I just think that I need to maintain what I have because I'm pretty strong now. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, a lot of my personal movement practice, uh, revolves around, uh, not being a liability. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I think that there's um, a point in your training where you can like just get hurt trying to deadlift. So like I deadlifted 500 pounds and if you're putting in the work to get to 525, you could potentially get injured. Right. But if you're putting in like a lot of the work just to work on maintenance of maintaining that strength, then that's pretty good because then you're, once you deadlift that much weight, you're pretty capable of being big. You could do a lot of stuff with people. Yeah. Well, I know that like, I know there's, there's, there's been a push with, you know, barbell lifting with people, even with rehab, which, um, and it, it probably even like in the marathon community too, it's like, Oh, how much is too much? You know? Right. And I know everyone's like, well, we're going to perform and like, we can always get better. And like, but like, it's why, you know, <laughs> why? And right. I, I remember that I did, um, I did a, I did a, what was it? A, it was a hat or sorry, Olympic triathlon. Um, and I'd already done this one before and, um, I was there with my friend and my friend didn't really want to like, she was having some problems and, uh, I just kind of hung back and chilled and it was the most, uh, it was the best triathlon I've ever done. I felt good at the end. Like I got to challenge myself where I wanted to challenge myself. But when you finally kind of let go or when I let go of the idea of like, I'm going to break this certain time and I'm going to suffer through it. And like, everyone's going to like, you know, like, like the time that I had, like no one gives a shit about that time. And if you drop off 10 minutes or 20 pounds, it's like, who really cares? Like, did you have a good time? Like, I don't know. I always thought like the, the experience of lifting weights and being with people and running, I think is more important than the actual end result because no one cares, (laughs) you know? And I don't really care anymore either, honestly. Right. And so that's a, the, the CrossFit space is a really interesting learning environment for me, especially um, since I've accumulated as much knowledge as I had in the short amount of time. So like, that's where I get to watch people and that's where I get to learn from them. And I think that um, CrossFit is a healthy expression of subconscious anxiety because then you're like, (laughs) you're always, yeah. So you're always, and I've been there before. I was in the competition space in CrossFit where I was training three to four hours a day. And then after two years of that, I was like, what am I doing? Like I'm training four hours a day of CrossFit, which is completely unnecessary to mm-hmm. place top 20 in a local competition. What's, what's the point there? And then I started to kind of pull back away from the competition and then eventually kind of pull back away from CrossFit entirely to the point where people are like, I can see, well, I got to get this a PR day. I got to get a PR. What if I don't get a PR though? Judge me. I didn't lift heavy. Oh my God. I didn't get as heavy of a deadlift as I did last time. And everybody knows and everybody's staring at me. And now I feel 
like less of a person? And what right. if I don't beat that guy <laughs> in the workout? And what if I don't PR this workout? And what if I don't run as fast as him? And what if I can't hold on to the kettlebell swings for 21 kettlebell swings in a row? Then and you're just like, stop, what are you doing? Like, I'm stressed out just, just thinking about doing CrossFit competition. <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> and it's just, it's crazy. So then, then you start, I start looking at it like, um, I have to take care of this meat vessel and I have to take care of it indefinitely. You know, so I, what I'm doing now is like, I used eight years of CrossFit training to build up to this strength, which can last me as long as I wanted to if I go back into a maintenance phase instead of trying to build phase all the time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So like I snatched like 225 pounds. That's pretty good. I don't mm-hmm. need to snatch it heavier than that really. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. not even really a quote unquote functional movement. You know, like why are we right. even doing that? I, I got my whole beef on snatching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, it's a cool movement and it looks great. You know, and it's really technical and it's really fun to do, but it's not Hand, necessary. Handstands are pretty sexy too, but I don't see anyone walking down the street like that. The first time I see someone commute to work with a fucking handstand, then I, then I will respect it, but I haven't seen it yet. There's videos on YouTube, bro. I've seen them before. <laughs> really? Okay, I take it back. I love a handstand. <laughs> you know, I guess I should... Um, I make sure that I forget sometimes our, our audience um, to make sure everyone does know I have done CrossFit yeah. <laughs> and I have lifted and I've been athletic my whole life and I've run half marathons and half Ironmans and shit. And my, my thought with this um, really came down to, I don't know if you had a, I know you said you had an in- injury. I had, I had an injury with, with my back last year and like I've deadlifted 300 pounds. It was easy. I have it on video. I like, it was no struggle. Um, and then I started wondering why, <laughs> you know, why, like, what is a level which I'm going to be satisfied with? Um, and then coming back and thinking about, can you hit those marks again? Yeah. It's, it was mentally frustrating. And then just kind of letting that go and just realizing that you could feel good and look good without doing all that fantastic, like all that crazy shit. Yeah. It made me feel very liberated with it. So, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't bash it cause I haven't done it. I just, I almost want everyone to know that that I'm speaking from my own experience here anyways. I'm sure you are too. Right. And so like I've done, I've done CrossFit for eight years and I coach it still, you know what I mean? So it's not, I just think that at a certain point you need to kind of evolve past it because I think that, um, and we might've mentioned this on our walk around the airport, but I think that, you know, if you eat like McDonald's or fast food for three meals a week and then you go to veganism, you're healthier for sure. Mm-hmm. But after a while, you probably need to add other healthy foods in there. You know what I mean? And so that's how I feel about CrossFit too. I think that, you know, going under, going into that stress and, and doing a long and difficult workout is really beneficial for people. But I don't think that you should do that every day. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think you should, your movement practice should involve maybe a CrossFit workout every couple months where you just, you know, go in and just crush yourself but you shouldn't be crushed all the time. And I mm-hmm. think that, that you know, nobody has a stress-free life. Everybody has stress and anxiety in their life, but then you go into the CrossFit space and you add more to it when it's supposed to be healthier to, for you, you know? So then, uh, you know, just like you alluded to earlier, these are just my ideas on CrossFit. It's not, if you want to do it, great. <laughs> you know, it's better, it's better than not doing anything, so. yeah. I think, I think a lot of things in excess, like you see, like you see a lot of people who, 
you know, they spend a lot of time doing marathons and ultras and Ironmans and stuff. And like they, like I've met people that like, it's like you said, it's a, there's some unhealthiness to it, whether it be mental or physical or whatever. And some people that I've met, like they just dominate this mileage and they like, you figure out like their, their relationship with their wife or husband is not good because they're not spending time with them, you know? Right. And uh, so I think there's, there's other better ways to, to spend yeah, you know, time and in each thing that you're doing in regards to running or CrossFit or whatever, it's like, like there's a point of diminishing return. And I don't think it has to be five days a week of ball busting on, on the ground in a puddle of sweat type of stuff. Like, like one of my buddies, uh, he's a strength coach and he asked me, he texted me this week and, uh, I don't know why I was asking, but he's like, if your perfect workout, if you did a perfect workout, what would it be? Like for me, like what would make me happy? I'm like, I don't know. Um, uh, like deadlifts, maybe, um, uh, I started single leg deadlifts, goblet squats, some carries, sled pushing. I don't know. You know, and I said, drink coffee, <laughs> drink coffee, feel good at the end. Don't get rushed. <laughs> and uh, so he mentioned his favorite things. And then um, I realized he added some parts that I would like to add to. But, um, but for the most part, I think when I, when he said that to me, I thought I just like being at my office, which has a gym in it. I like throwing some weights around a little bit, but feeling under control and being able to know that I can take a break and just sip coffee and, make a text if I need to, you know, it's, it's not, it's not gonna like kill my workout and I feel better afterwards. My back feels yeah. better. Everything right. feels better. Right. And so for me right now, I'm uh, really interested in variance. And so I look at all these movement patterns and then I think, how can I vary that to where I'm always adapting to this and, and giving my nervous system options if I have to vary from one position to the other because that's how you mitigate injury, right? Is be able to have reactions in one zone or the other. And like CrossFit is really in the sagittal plane of motion and there's really not very much variance. You know, maybe if they did their 400s and pushed each other a <laughs> little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like physically like nudge each other over, then there'd be some reactional. <laughs> yeah, like jump out of a bush or something. <laughs> Yeah, right. Scare the shit out of them. There's a barking dog on the on the corner that could lunge out, and the chain might break. Right, you don't know. So you got to practice that lateral movement, and that dog's gonna kick your ass. You know, so it's like, so that's kind of where my brain's at. You know, like, you know, because I like deadlifting with a barbell as much as anybody else, but I want to deadlift with kettlebells. I want to deadlift with one kettlebell. I want to deadlift with two kettlebells. I want to deadlift with dumbbells. I want to de deadlift at a deficit. I want a one leg, two legs, stagger stance. I want to do all these different things with like banded resistance, whatever, so that I have all these different avenues of success for my, for my body, essentially. So that's mm -hmm. where like Dr. Andrea Spina's message is really important to me, where um, there's these uh, dark spaces in your movement and you need to light them up for your brain. So, oh, my shoulder does have strength that way. That's cool. So now then your nervous system is like, we have strength that way. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit more mobility. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. that's kind of where my brain's at right now. Um, I do. And then I don't do like uh, cycles of things. So like, mm -hmm. you know, I do one week, I'll do front squats and I'll do pauses at the bottom. The next week I'll do back squats and I'll do, you know, a five second descent, you know, then and so I just kind of move through and I feel like squatting this way, then I squat that way. Or I do eight, six, four, two, where I go up and load every round or whatever it is. That's mm -hmm. just how my brain works and that's what makes me fucking feel good. And so yeah. that's what I do. I, I think you brought up a good point there with the, uh, and I know that we talked about this a little bit on, on the walk around the airport. By the way, the walk around the airport was literally, it was, it was less than a quarter mile. It was like, 
about a hundred yards each way or less. Yeah, <laughs> so we, we were, were we were spinning last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I think there is a, a big thing with the the central nervous system challenge, honestly. And uh, so when patients come in to me, anyways, they're like, "Well, you know, what's the long term plan? You know, what what how much should I be lifting? You know, in the long term?" I'm like, "Honestly, I want you to do different stuff. You know, and if you've been um, if you've been doing the same crossword puzzle for like 20 years and it's like, like it's every, the daily event, the same crossword puzzle, you know, the crossword puzzle and then all of a sudden it's mind numbing. There's no challenge to it. It might be a really hard crossword puzzle, but it really doesn't do anything for you. Um, so, and I, I give them the example of swimming lessons. I'm like, do you ever swim? They're like, no. I'm like, well, I swim, you know, and if we both get a swimming lesson, who's going to, who do you think is going to improve exponentially? And it's probably going to be them because right. I've already got some baseline foundation. So just exposing yourself to different movements and you, you mentioned, uh, the, uh, the FRC stuff. I, I kind of go the route of like, let's just say we're trying to expose the shoulder to more range and they're like, well, maybe I should do some like pressing motions and pulling motions. So I'm like, why don't you just, why don't you do some of that? But why don't you go swim a little bit too? And they're like, oh, like the, like the freestyle. I'm like, do everything. I don't really care what you do because as you go through the range, there's a little bit of load, you know? Right. So I don't think it has to be that complicated. I personally would like to see people do some loading, not excessively, a couple days a week, some, something that's more of a Dan John easy strength style, um, and then just do some type of sport that's reactive, that you have to react to the environment, um, swimming, hitting baseballs, chasing kids. I know we talked about chasing kids at the airport, yeah. not that because we weren't chasing kids. <laughs> we probably should have, though. <laughs> I don't think there were enough kids around to chase. Uh, that's true. Um, Oh, there was that. There was that one lady that we saw. We're like, that is perfect because she chased around her child, right? And oh, totally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's the perfect exercise for someone who's already loaded. Right. For, like for me, chasing my German Shepherd around. That's perfect. Right. You never catch them. I try to chase squirrels. Yeah, squirrels are rough. My dogs <laughs> never. So I. That's a lie. So I have. <laughs> I caught my lie. <laughs> yeah. So my uh, older dog, he's the hunter. He like loves hunting stuff. And my and he's a German Shepherd Catahoula mix. And so he's always on the hunt, looking and smelling and everything. My younger one is the German Shepherd Belgium Alabama mix. And so he's just a fucking idiot, running all over the place. Like I kind of wish that I had like the 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 mount for the GoPro that I could just put on him to see where he's going because mm -hmm. he just kind of runs around in random directions. And so when my hunter finds something, it's usually the idiot that catches it. And so, I don't know. <laughs> but there was one time when he jacked a squirrel and I was like, well, that's a thing and that squirrel's dead and there's blood all in his mouth and I should probably make sure they don't have any diseases. So Yeah, I bet he was really happy though I got it. Yeah, he was super pumped. And then like... <laughs> When we first got him, when he was like six months old, he caught a rabbit. And I was like, how are you catching rabbits? Because like this hunter doesn't catch anything. And you're just like, oh, rabbit. And just grab it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, maybe, maybe he just randomly sticks his face in a hole and all of a sudden comes out with something. It's just like yeah. a movie prize. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know, man. And so I think that that's, uh, I think that's really important. And that's something that's lacking in my training just because I'm so – interested in figuring out all these different ways that I could do these movements to, to, you know, keep my nervous system guessing. And, mm -hmm. uh, and my other problem is I don't do any cardiovascular activities, you know what I mean? So that's, a, that's just not fun for me to do. And so, you know, right now I'm just kind of having to force myself to do it. Like get on the Peloton bike, get on the rowing machine, 
you know, I should probably start running, but I hate running. And, you know, so it's like, mm -hmm. it's a thing. And so, but that's what fitness is, is kind of forcing yourself to do stuff that we don't normally have to do. And so that's why we invented exercise because we no longer have to hunt and gather and chase things, you know, so. Right. But we could just hunt and gather and chase things. I got some. I got some berries in my house. You can start picking around those if you want. Put it on yeah. your bone. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly <laughs> the kind of training I'm looking for. <laughs> well, you know, it, my my thought is always like when someone comes in, they like they have a a problem, and I know that I've used this analogy before. Say say someone comes in and they're just like they're hundred pounds overweight and they just want to lose weight. They're like, I've been trying everything. I've been drinking water and like exercising, but they're sitting there with a piece of chocolate cake. Yeah, like. You address the like the white elephant in the room, and uh, if you hate cardio, add a little bit, you know. And as long yeah. as it's not painful, it's like you know, expose yourself to something different. And with I know from a uh, clinical perspective or working with patients, it's like it's easier for me to identify, you know, what challenges they go through um, and what they feel if I've already done it before. So um, I like to think mine is a lot of experimentation too. But I end up liking some of them, you know. Yeah, but. it's. Uh yeah, it's a, it's a tough thing to, and especially with, you know, running my own business and still being a CrossFit coach, like it's hard to find time to want to do something like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I can make the time, but I have to try and I have to make the time. You know what I mean? I don't want to get up at like five in the morning and go on my Peloton bike in the living room and crush it for a half hour. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's just not what I want to do, but it's what is necessary in order to get it done. So. I think we should just shovel snow maybe instead put that's all your stuff on with a shovel snow. Well, that's the problem is we haven't had as much snow. You know what I mean? Oh. Cause that's, that's a, like a couple of years ago we moved into this house and it snowed like crazy. And my wife has to be at work at seven. So I'm out there at five 30 in the morning shoveling snow in the dark. You know what I mean? It's not good. Uh -huh. But then you're also looking around being like, this is an opportunity for these kids to start being entrepreneurs, right? Like right. a little early, hey, 20 bucks to shovel your driveway, done. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. After it. And so that's not really happening anymore either because, you know, video games. The, the kid entrepreneur. <laughs> Funny, um, side stories, you brought up kids and money. So uh, we, had a, we had a garage party one time. One of my friends brought his kid. The kid's probably like 10. And uh, so this kid, like, I don't know why we got in the conversation, but I, I was like, give me 10 push-ups." And uh, he's, he's a little resistant. So I'm like, I'll tell you what, you do 10 push-ups." And so I went in the back of my garage where I got an old bat bag and I had all these silver dollars in there that I just like, no one, like I never spend them, but I don't do anything with them. And so I, but I've had them for like 20 years. So I took one out and I said, Hey, you do 10 push-ups, I'll give you a silver dollar. So he does. Um, little did I know that that was worth about $25. Yeah. And, uh, so he took that for me. But after that, we set him up. Uh, he's like, he was, in a, he was in the groove with it. So I said, hey, see that guy over there, Bob? Ask him, what do I got to do to get two bucks out of you? And so we asked Bob. And uh, Bob's like, uh, rub my shoulders for two minutes. <laughs> and so he did. So he just started going around and started collecting money. But um, I'm glad that he, he took the initiative to ask because um, his, goal, his goal was to get a video game actually from his dad. And I'm like, well, how are you going to get the money unless you ask people how to I'm like, I bet my car over there needs to be washed. You can <laughs> right. if you want. Yeah, we can figure it out, man. We can always right. make money. Hey, I'm going to pause this for just a second. I have to use the restroom real quick. Okay. Yep. Post-workout rehydration. It's never good. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So then, 
just thinking about that for the couple minutes while I was getting rid of my hydration. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so that's an interesting thing that I kind of wanted to talk to you about also is your, your podcast and also your business. So how do you market both of those things? Um, you know, so I, I, people have told me that marketing people have told me that I'm probably doing a really bad idea with it. And uh, I think the reason is because there's, because I still, I still see patients, right? And uh, I have a lot of content that are patient friendly and I have other ones that are clinician friendly or strength coach friendly, you know? And so um, when you go onto my website, it'll say, it'll, it'll break you off real quick. Are you a patient or a professional? And um, so I get a lot of people to that side. I get about 70,000, I think right now, 75,000 people a month go to that website. Um, P2sportscare.com. There you go. Um, <laughs> and so I've been really fortunate to be able to, to test um, what people like and don't like because the, because people are already flowing through like half the battle is just getting people in there. So um, I get a lot of people from YouTube videos that go to, go to my site and come in to see me. Um, I don't really do any, I don't want to say I don't do any, any extra marketing because I still got to meet people, you know, but I don't like, force my agenda down the throat of like all the hospitals in the area and stuff. And I don't go meet up with PI attorneys and things like that. So like if I meet them, I meet them, I'll, I'll chat. And if we like each other, we'll do business. But, um, I don't really force that anymore. And I, I used to a lot. I used to go to like, so when I went to CrossFit, I mean, I would go to CrossFit for a couple of years, you know, just because I wanted that relationship and, and I liked it, but I didn't want to go all the time. And after that, I'd go to a running group and I didn't want to go all the time. So I got really frustrated with, um, you know, forcing, um, forcing experiences and on during timeframes I didn't want to do. I just want to go home and chill sometimes. So, um, I started to really double down on doing like the, like the online based stuff and getting people in that way. So they get a familiarity of who I am. And so some of you on the podcast might've heard me here and you're like, Hey, cool. Maybe I'll hear his podcast, you know, things like that. So, um, I mean, I'm in the belief that I think people will start to, um, really trust you a little bit more once you've, they've experienced you about 10 times or so. And so part of the podcast is just the experience, um, or they get to experience me a bunch yeah. and I have on different people and that's actually, it's, it's I think we, we think we talked at, at uh, lunch with this. I'm surprised how many people you meet just by interviewing them. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm guessing how many, how many you got right now? So I'm at, I think you're, you're going to be number 32. And so, 32? yeah, so I just started uh, last year and it's just, it's, it's a, a lot of my motivation to get people on is I hear them on interviews, but then that person's not asking what I want to know. Yeah, yeah. So then I just get them on and ask the questions that I want. Uh, and then, then I start to become friends with these people and then I want them on more often just because they're fun to talk to. You know what I mean? Right. That's why Ben's been on there multiple times and, uh, you know, a few other of my guests because I've just become friends with them. I'm just like, hey, we talk about cool shit all the time anyway. Might as well record it. You know what I mean? Um, but it's also, um, you know, like the, the Grant Cardone thing, just meeting people. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So like you just meeting people, then it expands your whole entire world and then you're just getting information from everybody. And so Yeah. Like I know that with, um, like I didn't really start having – a really favorable response from the podcast until probably about into the sixties. Okay. Uh, Cause I'm at like one twenty-five right now. Yeah. And I started being exposed to more people. And then I realized that those people would then um, 
connect me with other people to have on the podcast as well. And, uh, but I, in the beginning, I don't know if you're, if you've thought about this at all, but in the beginning it was just me and I was talking about topics that were like, okay, I'm going to talk about hand numbness today, you know? And it was stuff that probably clinicians already know and, and, um, strength coaches might already know, but it was, it was more patient friendly. It was patient based. And then as I started to have on other people, then all of a sudden we're talking about like this where it gets a little bit more complicated and, oh, I think I'm going to sneeze. It's coming. I got four. <laughs> I'm going to have three more. I know it. All right. Okay. <laughs> 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 One more, dude. Oh, uh, I guess not. I'm okay. a historic poor sneezer. Okay. Um, <laughs> But so in the beginning, the identity was, uh, these are commu- these are conversations that mean patients have a lot and I don't want to keep doing this conversation over again. I want to get to that second level. Right. Like, like this one patient came in she's like, what is a joint? I'm like, that is a great question for a podcast. <laughs> and, yeah. and, uh, and then we can get beyond that. But I didn't feel like having people on, it was useful to talk about those mediocre things. So it started to divide the simple topics were like, okay, hand numbness, Here's all the conditions that can create it. Here's considerations of care. And by the way, you're probably clinicians, clinicians are probably listening to this. Use this single podcast to help out have that conversation with your patient. So you don't have to do it again. Right. More of like a clinician tool. Um, but yeah, so that's my experience with the podcast. It, it goes out weekly. Um, and uh, it's really hard. I think I'm guessing you have this experience too. It's hard to get st- it. You know, like someone might only talk about knee stuff. It's like, can you imagine talking about knee stuff for 50 episodes? No. <laughs> I mean, so, you start to, you start to jump around. <laughs> right. And so what's, I think my entire goal of my podcast initially was to get the people's, get everybody's story on how they kind of started their business. Cause everybody starts somewhere and everybody right. goes through all of their, you know, all those struggles where, you know, you don't quite have enough clients this week or you don't, you know, everybody goes through those ebbs and flows, especially during the holiday season. And there's certain times where you're like, shit, I don't know if I'm going to make rent this month because I'm not getting the people, you know what I mean? But then, mm-hmm. um, so I like, I like getting everybody's background story on kind of how they started their business and why and where they're coming from with it and where they're going with it. Got um, it. And so that was kind of my thing. And, and um, then I started, um, getting people on that had uh, information that I thought was really important to massage therapists that were just starting out. So like the reason why I got uh, uh, Dr. Snell on initially was because of uh, the work that he did with the dermal traction method. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's really important for me and uh, important, I think, to other massage therapists where, whoa, if it's not getting better, just go deeper. No, right. <laughs> you know, so that's like, uh, it's a, it's a different avenue and a different approach. And, and, you know, that's how, like the way that he explains it is how I use, uh, the same language that I use to explain cupping to people. What is cupping? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, you know, increasing your flow of chi right there. What it's doing is pulling pressure off the nerves where there's normally pressure on the nerves and then it makes Mm -hmm. the nerves feel better. And then you have more mobility, right? So it's it's like mind blowing, isn't it? How simple it could be. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, but that's how Dr. Snell found it. He's like, well, I'm just going to yank on this shit and see how it goes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's I, he, could, I can just tell. He was probably like this. 
Just doing it. He probably had like a like a molar that hurt or something. Yeah. Just grabbing his cheek skin. Yep. Uh, and then you know, I one of the other important things that I've learned is the uh, functional muscle function from the Gray Institute. Have you ever heard of that concept mm -mm, before? Mm -mm. So what he talks about is the way that your uh, muscles function under load. So like you're when you're under load of gravity or squats or whatever, your knee isn't, or your quad isn't extending the knee, it's resisting knee flexion. That's the purpose of the quad. And so that was really important for me. And then I was like, well, Adam Wolf knows all that stuff. So I'll just have him get on the podcast and ask him questions. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he just did a brilliant job. I asked him like four questions and he talked for over an hour and I was just like, hey, that's all I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny how you get some people on, they're very good with like, like uh, Perry Nicholson will do the same thing. Like you yeah. only get asked like four questions. Um, I tend to like the volley a little bit more personally, yeah. but right. and it's always everyone's style. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I started out was getting experts in those particular fields where I had those kind of paradigm shifts in my head. And I thought that that was really important information for other massage therapists to have too, in order for them to be, uh, operating more, you know, yeah. being more well, optimal with their. Well, I really hope that, um, I know that, like we sound like we've had a similar experience, a little bit different from podcasting perspective so far, but I know that, um, I've learned a lot over the course of interviewing people and it's been two years and, and actually one of the podcasters is probably going to release just after this one does, but it was like how my clinical care got better from podcasting is what it's called. Um, and it, it, I think back, I, I highlighted all the, the ones that were actually, you can almost hear me on air with the person. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. You know, and then I tried that and it worked and my patient care got better and better. And I always hope that the, the listeners, at least with my show, um, I hope they follow through with kind of not necessarily listening in order, but then using those uh, kind of as teaching tools too, because I'm way better than I used to be two years ago. Yeah. And, and I'm sure your listeners, if they follow along with your growing experience, they'll, they'll get benefit too. Right. And, uh, you know, now what I'm really interested in is teaching because eventually that's where I want to end up because I feel like I can teach indefinitely. I don't like the, you know, after a while, massage is pretty hard on your body. And my dad's a perfect example of that. He's been doing it for over 20 years and he's 75 now, you know what I mean? And he doesn't really, you know, have a retirement plan per se. So he's going to have to do this for longer. And right. so I want to be into the point where I learn enough and have my own kind of system down to where other people think it's valuable and I can ultimately start teaching. So now like one of the things that I'm really interested in is getting people on that I think are good teachers and then just, mm -hmm. you know, hearing them talk on how, you know, they, what their teaching style is and how they got involved in it. And so basically it's like, it all boils down to like the origin stories of all these different people. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So like when I get Perry on him, I'm like, Hey, when, when were all these paradigm shifts in your practice to the point where you're like, Oh, there's a different way to practice chiropractic. Oh, this is really awesome. I'm going to integrate this. Oh, I should start teaching this stuff because I feel like this is valuable information. Like what were those triggers to where he started to kind of push in all these different directions? Cause that's what I'm interested in. Yeah. I think I, I bet a lot of people, it, they like you hit that pivotal point and there's something that happened. There's, there's a reason why maybe it's like patient care went low or maybe an event happened in your life. But, um, I know for, for me, like, so I'm not good at reading MRI. And so right now, um, I'll tag you on, uh, 
of Fanning's, Fanning's Instagram. So he's posting all this MRI, all these MRIs and I'm looking at him and he's like, well, what's the biggest finding in this thing? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I'm like, should I, is this a joke? That, should I respond to this thing? Because if I respond, everyone's going to realize I can't read an MRI as well as I can, you know? Yeah. So just kind of trusting that you're, if you're, if you're vulnerable and just realize that um, if I, if I really, if I kind of go into that, everyone's going to know, I don't know, really know MRIs that well, but on the other side, if I keep playing this game, I'm just going to get fanning to just teach me MRI, <laughs> you know, directly right. and yeah. I'm going to get better. Right. But it's being vulnerable. I think what works um, and just realizing that you don't know everything, but people like to be know it alls but um, side idea actually. <clears throat> so I thought about this um, the other day, this might help with you with your uh, teaching on the same note of not, know, not knowing everything. So I had, I had a couple classmates call me and they're like, Hey, what do you think about like this one case? And I'm like, well, let's try this, this, this. And they're like, Oh yeah, that worked pretty good. And then they won't call the same thing. And they're like, Hey, once you teach something, I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I know enough stuff to teach things. And I started thinking about that. So 10 years ago we graduated school and then people in class really don't see each other. Yeah. And I'm like, why don't we just do a class reunion, get together and like, I'll host it. I'll be the CEE person and I'll present on stuff that I know. But at the same time, it's a workshop for all you also to, to show what works for you because we all have different, uh, we all have different experiences with treating people. So I just, I was thinking of it because it's, I think it's really challenging from a presentation perspective to be like the know-it-all and provide this one thought process. Cause there's really not one, there's more. And so why not provide a forum that can kind of blend things together? And if you get classmates together, holy shit, everyone's going to have a good time. Right. You know, just a different yeah. thought on a workshop maybe. Yeah. And that's interesting because everybody, once they graduate, they kind of disperse and go all their own different directions and their own different paths. And, and it's, it'd be really interesting to hear everybody else's perspective on that same thing because everybody's going to approach something differently based on the education that Jason chose to get and, with the experience that they've had with clients. And then so everybody can contribute to everybody else. Right. So I think that that's, it's not as much about being a know-it-all. It's just kind of realizing that you have your own specific lane. And sometimes that is valuable information for other people. And that's, you can just offer them suggestions that they haven't thought of yet. Right. And uh, I think it, it would maybe help with kind of opening up the, uh, the, uh, the idea that we're, we're, we're very biased with our treatment recommendations and myself included. It's based upon our past experience of what works, but maybe just it being exposed to the things that we don't know even exist yet. Um, and on the note of just having the class, other than having everyone having a good time, it's a little easier to stomach, you know, the uh, new ideas from people that you already, uh, you already know and like and trust. So rather than just a random group of people together, it takes a while to, to really get through that trust point on like, you know, a couple dates. So you might as well just have, you already experienced three, three years of these people. So yeah. that was, that was my workshop, uh, CE idea, which, uh, I might do one day, but we'll see. Yeah, that's awesome. And so I think another part is, uh, based on how much experience that you have, you will, you always have more experience than other people that don't have that much. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So basically what I'm trying to say is that, um, what's common knowledge to you isn't to other people. And so that's, you know, like Perry Nicholson's a perfect example. Like I look at him and he's like, he's the smartest fucking person ever. Like, I don't even understand how he has the time to learn and teach and travel all over the world and still practice. You know what I mean? It doesn't make sense. But 
there's he interviews people that he feels are smarter than him and can give him valuable information you know mm -hmm. what i mean so there's always somebody that's smarter than you in some specific area and that's why you go and take education from that person yep yep it's uh we could all just get together and just have a beer and i think we'd just figure it all out that's yeah and so <laughs> and that's what uh, was so valuable about this last weekend for me is that you know there's all these um all these amazing people that come to these courses and they all come there for the same reason that you do. So then you're automatically just going to get along with most of them anyway, mm -hmm. and just hanging out with them and having breakfast and having lunch and having coffee and, and having dinner and going like they went climbing and you know what I mean? All this different stuff is it's, it all contributes to your knowledge and your growth over the whole weekend. So it's not just the course. And that's one thing that I, I, uh, you know, reiterate a lot is that it's just really important to make those connections with all these people that, you know, you automatically get along with. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, being outside the, 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 uh, work up is really important. And that's, I think that's where most of the learning happens, but, um, funny story, actually my, uh, uh, so was it, it was at Phillips course the first time, uh, it was in LA. And so I brought my intern, uh, Jeremy. So Jeremy goes, he's like, Oh, this is a great course. I'm like, look, if you come, you need to go out after you need to go to dinner after. And he's like, what? I don't have any money. I'm a student. I'm like, don't worry. Just, just don't buy a lot. You know, like get a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And that's it. And so we sit down, we go to a sushi place. Right. And, um, there was a big table, which we didn't get onto. It was just ended up being a table with me and Jeremy. And he's, and he's, and I'm like, look, just order what you want. You know, we'll mingle with that table. It'd be good. You'll learn all this stuff. So then someone else sits down and just, you know, like at sushi, everyone's like, they just order a bunch of shit and they're like, don't worry, we'll just split it. <laughs> someone did that to him and he about had a damn heart attack. Um, but um, after that though, he, he got to know people really well and he got something from it, but yeah. I felt really bad. So I bought his dinner. <laughs> yeah. That's but I, but I, I said, if you go to another seminar, you, you got to make sure to go out after and, and meet everybody that's where the magic happens yeah it's so valuable and so it's like you can't really put a price on it just put it all on the credit card it'll be all right you know what i mean just pay it off eventually a lot of people pay a lot of money for those uh interactions after yeah it's good mm -hmm. it's uh, i don't know that's part of my problem because now i'm out of money and i don't have any more money for education which means that i have to start saving and so <laughs> that's always hard you know what I mean? When you're being an adult and like, I just, uh, spent this insane amount of money on my car trying to get that thing running. You know what I mean? And that's just one of those adult things. You're like, well, that's three. You could just do handstands to work. I mean, I heard that. I could just do handstands to work. <laughs> See, that's why, that's why I have you people on my podcast. So if it wasn't for you, I would have been like, shit, now I'm shit out of luck. But yeah, then, I, I think can't stand to work. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I think of that? I'm I think like, Mr. Money Mustache lives over there, right? <laughs> you could, you could be just like Mr. Money Mustache. The Mr. Money Mustache. I've heard of that guy, and, and a lot of people talked about him, and I did. It just went in one ear and out the other. But he lives oh. over here. Uh, I, I thought he was in Flagstaff somewhere. I might be wrong, but um, yeah, it's an interesting story. I won't go too much into it, but if, <laughs> if you if you go read his stuff, they're 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 funny. Um, they're they're uh, he's a smart dude, but then uh, oh, he's the money saving guy. Like he talks about unplugging all your electronics and when you're uh, using and stuff like that. I don't remember if you said electronics, but like so he one time he did a breakdown of like 
Um, so I think his, his rough story was like, I think he worked for like 10 years in like a biotech or whatever the hell it is, engineering. And so he made enough money and he's like, how much exactly do I need to, to retire? And so he did the calculations like, okay, so if I have this much and then I only spend this much per year and can I get away with that? And so he, he calculated like cost of food even. And I saw like, so one of them was like based upon caloric intake, you can get away with enough calories in a day with like 18 cents of canola oil or something like that based upon basal metabolic rate. So, um, but there's all these little articles who write that are kind of comical, but um, he just basically, he, I think he retired at like 35 and then he just rides his bike everywhere and he carries a little cart, goes to Costco once a week, things like that, you know, <laughs> but I think he's there. I, I don't recall. <laughs> That's interesting. I'm going to look it up now. So I'm super curious. You'd be must. I've only, I've only been on there probably no more than two hours of my life, but it was, it was a funny movie. <laughs> Mr. Money Mustache. Mr. Money Mustache, I'm in. You talked me into it. Yeah, good. All right, brother, let's wrap this thing up. Where can people find you? Uh, if you're looking for the podcast, it's on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, what is that other one that's black? Uh, Spotify. Um, <laughs> Restoring Human Movement, that's the podcast. Uh, if you're looking to check out the uh, website, there's p2sportscare.com. Uh, there's a couple of books on there in case you're interested in stuff. I have a book on back pain. It's mainly on the kind of how to mentally get into a recovery state. Not, there's nothing clinical in there. There's nothing about uh, how to uh, improve your situation because sometimes you suggest shit to people and they don't do it. So it's it's kind of getting them hyped up to be able to do something. So that's the whole point of that book. Um, so that's one I wrote recently and I, I think it's going to go very well. So uh, nice. that's right on the page, p2sportscare.com. Perfect. Uh, what books are you reading right now? Um, right now I'm, I'm, I'm going through a McKinsey lower, lower extremity, uh, as well as a book that is, what is it? It's something about like the basics of storytelling, um, like the secrets of Hollywood and how to get people to really be engaged with your storytelling and and how to improve, um, getting a message across. So it's a real short read. I like it so far. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm on the, the talk like Ted. That's the book that I'm on right now. It's basically the same concept, like uh, refining how you tell your story and how you present to people. That's been really interesting so far. Like, the, yeah. uh, good stuff. Yeah, it's really cool that you get, uh, if you story, tell the story well, people, no matter if the story is about them or about you, it's about your hero. And then people just remember, you know, yeah. they're like, I don't want to die of the Black Plague. I'm like, well, you won't. Like, don't, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> we're probably okay no more black food <laughs> yeah well i don't want to get hit by a cannonball in the civil war i know i know yeah that sounds awful just get your leg ripped off but then you're still alive and then you're in the middle of this battlefield and yeah terrible <laughs> but i but i do want a deadlift in case i encounter a a cannonball <laughs> correct or uh talking to my uh um paramedics last night they had to uh, they had they pulled up to a rollover accident and they had to use the jaws of life to like peel the whole roof of this car off and the people inside were okay but they had to drag them out like you know what I mean so mm-hmm. like sled drags bro like <laughs> you have to sometimes you have to drag people that's what I'm talking about and sometimes you got to tell the drag to to move to push a little bit too <laughs> yeah and that's what they were talking about like they had this, she was a larger lady. And so she wasn't helping at all. So it took two of them to kind of get her out of the car. But oh my gosh, yeah, that that, that is tough. And uh, that's it. I know we don't, we're going to close up pretty soon here. But just the idea of like 
non-conventional lifting, you know, cause you're going to encounter it. So why not have small exposures, you know? Yeah. Like you never know when you're going to have your homie sprains his ankle on a trail run. You got to carry him back. You know what I mean? Then you need to not only you have to deal with that variance of the, the ground and rocks and logs, but then you also have to be carrying your friend. You know what I mean? So you might well, I, was, I make sure we start uphill that way in case it, that does happen. They can roll downhill. <laughs> See, get a plan ahead. That's why we're friends because you have the easy way out all the time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, bro, if you get hungry, just roll down the hill. <laughs> just roll down the hill. It'll be good. <laughs> you'll get kind of where you need to go. Yeah. Like yeah. It. You'll hit a street. <laughs> you'll hit a street. And I'll, and I'll teach you how to put a thumb up. <laughs> teach you how to put a thumb up. Wave your underwear on a stick. Somebody will stop. Yeah. That's why you wear white underwear. <laughs> yep. So everybody can see it. I like it. <laughs> Well, or you can get like the Under Armour bright neon green underwear. You're right. You could. That would be better. You'd get rescued first. Yeah. Stuff that glows in the dark. That's the way to go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm pretty sure the last person that, that, that I met that had neon underwear, I questioned if they had enough water. But. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Interesting. All right, brother. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll, have, I'll have you on too. Um, we'll set up a time and date for that. All right. Sounds good, brother. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Later. See you.